What's going on, guys? And welcome back. Yes, I said back. This is episode two of the MMA Archive. Man, feels so good to say that. I'm excited to come here and talk to you guys about UFC 2. Um, no Way Out is the name of the event. Um, this one was crazy. I mean, all of these are crazy. Like, I'm going to be real. There's always something to talk about with all these fights. So um, let's get right into it, man. This one is called No Way Out. They actually changed the rules for this one. I know that they, they're infamous for no rules. But um, there was, if you remember, five-minute rounds in the first UFC event. Um, but the second UFC event, they made it so it's an unlimited, no time limit fight. So it's one round only, no time limit. And they they changed the rules back to primal, like literally primal. Um, they made it so that groin strikes are allowed, which I, <laughs> I don't agree with, to be honest. Um, and the biggest one that I hate, I hate to see you. And we'll get to that later. But the biggest one that they, they change is that referees cannot stop the fight, that it's only up to the corner and the participants themselves to either submit by tapping out, um, even if it's to strikes or for the corner to throw in the towel. And whew, it comes to bite them. It comes to bite them a couple times in this event. Um, crazy stuff, man. I'm excited to get into it. Let's get right into it. Um, this one is taking place on March 11th, which is interesting because it's it's another year from, removed from the previous event, but it's only been five months. So five months later, after the first tournament, they're doing another tournament. And instead of an eight-man tournament, this time it's actually a 16-man tournament, single elimination. So you lose once, you're out of the entire tournament. And it's just wild. The fact that they got 16 people to compete, as well as bringing back some people from the first UFC event, um, which we'll get to a little bit later. Um, but here's the the rest of the um, stats, I guess, the rest of the information that we need to know before we get started. The event took place March 11th, 1994 at the Mammoth Gardens in Denver, Colorado. Once again, the second time they were at Elevation. Um, we're having these fights take place, which is crazy, especially when you see how some of these bouts end up playing out. Um, fatigue definitely ended up being a factor in, in a lot of these fights. But um, the first fight was obviously the, the debut of the entire event. Um, you got Scott Morris going up against Sean Daughtery. These are two people that haven't competed yet in the UFC. Um, Scott Morris was listed as an exotics fighter, which uh, being I'm someone from New York, I found this hilarious. Uh, a lot of times people refer to like different kinds of weeds as exotics. So when I heard this, I'm like, nah, my man's is exotics. He, he's different. You feel me? He's built different. <laughs> but um, you got Scott Morris with his exotics background against Sean Daughtery, who's representing karate. Um, Let's just go right into it. Let, let, let's do it. Um, actually, I forgot to mention this. First, you have three announcers. This time it's Brian Kilmeade, Jim Brown, and Ben Perry. Um, two new people to be around Jim Brown. A lot more technical advice in this one, which I found very interesting. Um, and then just clowning <laughs> by, by Brian Kilmeade, just clowning. He, he's funny. You guys should really check out these fights too, alongside this podcast. I really recommend that 
um, whether it's after or before, just really check out what it's like. Because uh, I, I was honestly just trying to take it in as if it was a live event. Like, I feel like whenever you're watching these um, these cards live, there's a big difference in feeling as far as how important the fights are and I guess the thrill of not knowing what's going to happen. So I try to I try to limit the spoilers for myself, too. So maybe you guys could consider doing that, too. And as I talk about these fights, you check them out and then you hear what I have to say about them. Um, that's an interesting approach. But anyway, um, the ring announcer was once again, Rich, the G-man goings. Oh, man, you love to see it. It's so it's so strange the way he just repeats people's last names. Um, we'll get to that once again. And then they had a post-fight interview person, Herb Perez, which was doing interviews the whole night, which I found really cool, actually. Um, it added a different layer as far as understanding the personalities um, that are competing, which I found pretty cool. It, it adds to the story of everything, which once, once again, shout out to my boy, Dwayne. Story is everything, whether or not it's pro wrestling or anything. Whenever they're trying to sell people on these events, whenever they're trying to explain why this event is important, anything like that, it, it's always pointing to the fact that <clears throat> there is some storyline. And the, the big storyline in this tournament is the fact that Hoyce Gracie is back and he's defending his title. Um, I'm getting all over the place, though. As you can see, I'm very excited <laughs> about this event. So let's get back to the first bout. Um, I tried to introduce these guys already. We got Scott Morris going up against Sean Daughtery. This one was interesting. So this one ended super quick. And I actually found this to be a pretty technical, pretty technical fight. Like for, for what happened in obviously the short amount of time. Um, but the, the fight started with Sean Daughtery sort of coming out and trying to throw kicks, um, landed some good kicks as well, I might add. And then um, Scott Morris just bum rushing him and bringing him in close and clinching range. And immediately Sean Daughtry sort of dipped his head down in that clinch exchange and just the worst possible thing he could have done. Scott Morris wrapped up his neck and then threw him back backwards, like through the entire momentum through both of them backwards and ended up in a mounted guillotine, um, which I found really slick the way he went about the transition, throwing himself, rolling through. And then when he got through, you see he he does every everything he can to fight the legs and hook the legs so that he's actually in the proper mounted guillotine position before he starts exerting, which I found to be like super technical for someone who technically wasn't trained in jujitsu at this point. Like at this point, it was always Gracie jujitsu is this like mystical thing that not any, everyone has access to, but that was really slick. Like the instincts were there as far as how he put the hooks in and literally just waited until the proper time to exert that force and get the finish with the amount of guillotine. And, and it finished quick, man, only at 20 seconds of the first round, if I'm not mistaken, we just quickly looked through this. This was the fastest fight of the entire night. And it was the very first one. Once again, literally the same thing happened last event, which is crazy. Um, but really cool to see someone else besides a Gracie win by submission. Um, same way it was with Ken Shamrock, you see, and you're just like instantly, you know, I, I wonder how this person would do in different scenarios. Um, and we get to see that later, which is even better. Um, next up, 
the second bout of the night between Patrick Smith and Ray Wizard. Um, Patrick Smith is representing kickboxing. Ray Wizard representing karate. You might remember this name. Patrick Smith did compete in UFC 1 in the first matchup against Ken Shamrock. This includes, well, once again, if you're here, I hope you watched episode 1. But this includes some spoilers. Um, Obviously, go check out episode 1 if you want to hear that. But Patrick Smith ended up losing in the first round to Ken Shamrock by uh, a heel hook and um, I don't know more of a bootleg leg lock but <laughs> anyway um, <clears throat> so he's returning and he's in his hometown so every time he fought I found this to be so exciting like every time he fought the crowd was entirely behind him going crazy and um, it, it really added to the sort of build of his fights if that makes sense you sort of feel the crowd on his side and you, you kind of want to root for him too because of it um so this one started fast and furious both guys sort of ran up to each other and ended up in a clinch position um i thought this was pretty once again you're seeing glimpses at sort of the modern game and i think one part of this bout that really reminded me of the modern game today is both of these guys were vying for inside position up against the fence um so the they were both re doing reversals where Patrick Smith was ending up being the one pushing against Ray Wizard, pushing Ray Wizard against the fence, rather, um, and then Ray Wizard reversing and then being the one pushing Patrick Smith up against the fence. Um, and it ended up being entirely to his detriment, which is kind of crazy. Um, Patrick Smith, in that transition, just grabbed up his neck and the the way this one finished was crazy. Um, I didn't expect it to be that tight um, because of the position they were in. He was still standing up. He was against the fence. So this, this finish really reminded me. I'll, I'll get back to this in a second. Sorry. Um, Patrick Smith just locked in the, ch um, the choke while he was up against the fence. So he locks in, locks in the guillotine. It's entirely extended and ends up getting the, the tap but right before he was able to well he being the referee was able to stop the fight um <clears throat> you see literally <laughs> ray wizard is out like out cold and when he when patrick smith lets him go when the when the ref stops the fight because of the tap um ray wizard just falls to the ground and you see him sort of convulse and I know that that's a really scary thing to hear. Um, people that have grappled, I, I'm someone who has trained very, very briefly, I might add. I, I need to train again. I want to get in some good shape. I mean, I love talking about it, so I, I got to get to um, training more. But um, people that have trained know that sometimes when people get, get choked out, um, it can lead to sort of involuntary or what your body thinks is reactive movements. And you see Ray Wizard really shaking there and trying to like, almost like he's fighting, like trying to throw punches. And then eventually he comes to and realizes sort of that he, he got choked out. And um, it's so crazy because they were doing the post-fight interviews and they'll just start letting people like, like the person that lost, they'll let them leave. like don't get me wrong and you'll see it the whole time so they'll be talking to the fighter that won and you'll see the person like coming to and then eventually leaving and walking out of the cage 
which is just bizarre. Like, I, I don't think um, in today's UFC, you really see moments like that. Like, they show things like that. Don't get me wrong. They, they show updates when people are out and things like that. But you don't really see that at the same time as far as somebody talking. And then you just see, like, the, the thrill and the agony, I suppose, um, where Patrick Smith is celebrating. And you see Ray Wizard and his team sort of trying to get his bearings right and get him out of the cage. Um, I, I really like this fight. It, it only took 58 seconds for Patrick Smith to lock up this choke. Um, but it was really technical while it lasted. Let me get a sip of water. All right. <clears throat> Something that I might add, I forgot to mention this in the beginning of this event, but the sole <laughs> referee of this entire night <laughs> was Big John McCarthy making his UFC debut, which is crazy to think about now. He's now a commentator for Bellator and does no longer um, referee fights, but so many classic fights have been refereed by him. So it's really cool to see his sort of origin he looks so young and um he does a does a great job with the the cards he's dealt i think the fact that he wasn't allowed to stop fights really you could tell bothered him and i've heard him talk about that as well um in, in referencing this event and his debut as far as like he said if, if i'm gonna do this again like i need to be able to stop the fight and i agree because later on we're gonna get to some crazy insane and um, frankly, uncomfortable stuff, um, which I understand why at the time, a lot of people were calling for this to be banned. Um, I don't agree with that. Obviously, I'm a huge fan. And I always advocate for these athletes, no matter what, because yeah, it's a brutal, barbaric sport. But at the end of the day, it's a true expression of combat. I know that sounds cliche and corny. But um, I'm not trying to say this is as close as you get to a street fight, because I hate when people say that. Um, it's kind of silly. But what it really is, is it allows everybody, regardless of how they train, and especially you, you'll see this at this time, whether they're grapplers, whether they're strikers, to, to put their, their talents to the test and, and really see what works and um, who can apply their game against someone else who's trying to do the exact same thing. Um, nowadays, it's not really that simple. You have so many layers um, in every mixed martial arts bout as far as preparation and what people are prepared to do. Um, here, people were just prepared for the most part in one sort of discipline. So it, it really changes the way these fights look. Um, so keep that in mind as we go throughout the event. Um, but anyway, I got off a little tangent right there. Um, next up, our third bout of the night, we had Johnny Rhodes representing karate coming up against David Levicki. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, Johnny Rose is kind of a, a unsung hero in this event. <laughs> and you'll see, you'll see more of that as we continue once again. But this one was a grueling fight, man. Johnny Rhodes was the smaller man in this one. Levicki was 6'5", and a Navy SEALs trained special force, forces guy. Um, they were hyping that up in the broadcast. Um, Really quickly to mention, I feel like something that's really interesting about this event, too, is you'll see that the, the announcers are pretty, not biased, but they sort of lay it out there on their hearts on their sleeve as far as who they think is going to win and how they think is going to happen. Um, so they just sort of 
<laughs> they just sort of, I think this person's going to win and they, the other person probably doesn't even have a chance. So it's funny whenever um, things get sort of flung on its head and they were looking at Levicki as a favorite in this one, um, but a little bit of a spoiler there. But anyway, this one begins in a wild sort of scramble. Um, it ends up with <clears throat> Rhodes sort of shooting for a takedown, Levicki getting a reversal, and then eventually ending up on bottom position, um, which was just the worst thing that could have happened. Um, <laughs> and literally for the rest of this fight, um, this was the longest fight of the night. It went for 12 minutes and 13 seconds. Johnny Rhodes was on top, um, whether it be in guard, which he was for the most, I would say the majority of this 12 minutes, he was in Levicki's full guard. Um, but man, th this is a mess. Like this is a mess. This is why I, I think they should never, ever implement no time limits or no round breaks or no, no like unlimited just fighting until someone wins. Cause man, this got ugly and fast. And uh, <laughs> the funniest part about this, <laughs> this whole fight is like Johnny Rhodes is on top in that full guard position. And as Levicki's trying to sort of create leverage with his legs, he's sort of pulling down on Johnny Rhodes' gi pants. So we end up in a situation where you're four minutes into this, to be frank, slog, where Johnny Rhodes is on top trying to land pot shots, land punches, but not really doing much of anything not really advancing his position or trying to move towards any sort of submission. No, just staying in that position, trying to land punches and not give up that position. And literally Johnny Rhodes ass is out. Like, I'm just going to say it. His whole ass is out. And then John McCarthy is coming behind him and picking up his pants and just giving him a wedgie mid fight. So he has to deal with, competition and being wedgy by the ref like th this fight it was so funny to me because of that like I just couldn't believe what I was watching like it was just a real literal shit show like man <laughs> I found this one so funny um but eventually you see Johnny Rhodes sort of end up in a position where he has Levicki against the fence and he did something really interesting which I I, I picked up on and I, I sort of like to be aware of these things to see you know, how they're trying to win. And Johnny Rhodes sort of had him in a can opener position, which is where you have the arm sort of on their, I guess, clavicle areas. And he was grabbing the fence through that. So his head was, his hands were pushing up against his opponent, but he had, he was holding the fence on the other side so he could hold that position, um, which obviously wasn't illegal at this time. It's illegal as hell now. You can't grab the fence um at all they don't they say you could tap but you can't grab um which is you see it all the time anyway which the art of dundasso <laughs> shout out to the co-made event podcast but just literally the, most of the time in modern mma you'll get away with a couple fouls just because they're willing to go out there and say you know this is your warning you you've been warned even though technically you're warned in the back um which i don't agree with but <laughs> Either way, uh, you see that now to a certain extent. Obviously, they're skirting the lines. They're trying to 
if someone's grabbing the cage in modern MMA, they're trying to hide it. They're not trying to be blatant about it. Johnny Rose was just holding him there with the cage and just landing shots. And eventually the replay showed um, he landed a nice crisp punch to his eye that cut him. And then you see David Levicki, obviously he's this poor guy has been stuck in this position the whole fight. Couldn't really do anything to get out of it. Wasn't really taking a severe beating, but those punches really add up, especially over 12 minutes. And eventually towards the end, he got really cut up bad and he's just leaking in his eye. Like it was coming down into the eye. And because of the way he's like laying down on the floor, it started pooling. So you just see a lot of blood in the eye orbital, like socket, just not a good visual. And then you obviously see after the fight, just a huge, look like someone poured out a, a bottle of wine and that's in that area of the cage. Um, but ended up being a pretty brutal finish because of it, like the optics of it. Um, the, the punches to me didn't seem to be too hard, but David Levicki eventually tapped out from what I could only imagine is being blinded by his own blood, um, which is crazy to think because now in MMA, they get put in a position like that where they're bleeding that much. And even if they're on the ground, they'll immediately stop it, bring the doctor in, let them see if the cut is bad enough that they would consider stopping it or they just wipe it off and then put them back in that same position, um, which can be a little dicey. I mean, you're changing the flow of the fight um, and ideally you don't want to do that. But th this fight was this fight was interesting. Um, boring as hell. I'm going to be honest, boring as hell. Um, but definitely, I mean, David Levicki's a tough guy to withstand when he withstanded, but it was just kind of strange to see. Not like he wasn't trying, but there was nothing he could do like to, to get himself out of that position, um, which in today's MMA just makes no sense. Like, so that that's what made this extra boring to me. Like, it's just, you don't see things like this. Um, which which made it made it to be an interesting fight for me, but Johnny Rhodes win via submission due to strikes at 12:13, the longest fight of the night. Once again, I'm not saying go back and watch this if you're you're not a uh, diehard like me that would want to see how this unplays, but um, not the most exciting fight. But hey, you, maybe you can skip to the end and catch the the finish for sure. <laughs> Next up, um, Frank Hamacher, which is a grappler, is coming up against Thaddeus Luster, which is a kung fu fighter. Um, once again, these these are so funny the way they named them. Um, they did say the actual sort of disciplines throughout um, that the broadcast, but I found it very hard for me to keep note of that. So I'm going to let you guys hear that if you're going to watch the the event. Um, I'm just going to put up the what what they actually put up on the graphic, which is, once again, grappler versus kung fu, which I find hilarious, um, the, the mystical kung fu. But um, Frank Kamaker is actually somebody who was in Gerard Gordeaux's corner, um, which is, once again, the finalist from the first UFC event. And you see Gerard Gordeaux actually in his corner. Um, for these fights, which I found super interesting, just sort of keeping keep an eye on these things and seeing, obviously, both events in succession of each other, you sort of see, notice these things, um, which I, I found pretty cool. Um, they were also in the corner of another fighter we get, we're going to get to later, but just sort of making their own fight team out there and 
I will admit, doing their thing. So Frank Kamaka is a, a bigger dude. Um, definitely not a cut-up guy. A little on the pudgy side, but definitely you can see he, he knows what he's doing when it comes to grappling. And this one immediately turned into a grappling contest. Um, you can see Thaddeus Lester. He had a really cool look to him, I'll admit it. He had the spats on, which is um, <laughs> basically leggings. And um, he had his black belt over the top of it, which is a very interesting look to say the least. Um, and Frank Hallmarker had a singlet on, dude. He, he came ready to wrestle. If you see a dude in a singlet, you already know. You better you better be ready to sprawl because my boy is coming to take you down. You feel me? <laughs> um, just, I mean, definitely what you would expect as far as how the, the fight played out. Frank Hallmarker eventually ended up getting on top and then sort of losing position. And then you see a really cool transition, which I, I wanted to point out where Frank Hallmarker sort of ends up in a, in a spot where he has to dump him again. And he literally dumps him like a fireman's carry. Like he throws him over and ends up back on top position, which I was like, that, that, that takes a lot of strength to do, especially with someone that's on the floor already. Um, it's not easy to do, but he did it very flawlessly um, as far as he executed the, the toss so that that was cool to see um give me one second <clears throat> so this one got a little on the technical side um as far as how i'm going to try to explain the finish but frank hamacher ended a position where he's sort of in mount and is attacking a key lock which is where and it wasn't even really a key lock the way he was attacking it, but it's where you sort of hold your opponent's wrist to the mat. And then you're sort of trying to, how do I, I, I don't really know how to explain it to you without, it's, it's one of the more technical moves, but um, sort of your point, you're, you're trying to leverage their shoulder blade um, by keeping their wrist on the mat and sort of pu pudging out their elbow um, and trying to, trying to, do damage to that shoulder so it's, it's a very pain it's a very strange submission because if you know how to um if you know what to, what what your opponent is going for and you've felt it before um it's relatively easy to keep yourself out of that position um but it is very painful um i will admit when i first got put in a key lock it's not something that you ever felt before like that that pain on your shoulder it's very weird and it's not on the front it's in the back like on on the back part of the shoulder um it's a it's a very it's painful it's a very weird pain as well because like i said you've never really felt anything like that before even if like you're holding long stretches you don't feel that sort of tension in that part of the shoulder blade especially um so it's very anyway very niche submission and um he worked to get it but eventually his corner kind of just stopped it, um, which I always hate to see, if I'm being honest. Yeah, he was landing a couple of unanswered shots while defending that position, but he didn't look particularly in trouble. Um, and he was trying, you know, that's something. Um, but did, do I think he was going to get out of that position ultimately? No, so I can't really complain too much. Um, but... I just found this I just found this fight pretty interesting for that fact. I mean, modern moves that do not get 
for the most part, I have not seen any, not that I recall. Um, I've seen attempts, but I haven't seen anybody hit a key lock in a, in a, in a, in a match before in the UFC or in any other MMA promotion for that matter. So it was interesting to see him attack that. In my opinion, he didn't really get it still because obviously he didn't get the tap, but a win's a win and it's via submission. He, he did what he had to do and he moves on to the next round. Um, so the coolest part about this for me when watching this is you're, you're following the tournament. So you're seeing who wins and you're seeing like potentially who could be the, the person that's going to face Hoist, um, the champ from UFC one. And there's a lot of good options already. I mean, you got, two really quick submissions in the first two fights and then two more submissions, but they were a little more drawn out. Um, one of them to strikes and then another to a corner stoppage, all very different. Um, none of these fights are the same just because they're won by submission. Um, just very, like I said, very, very broad spectrum of bouts so far and just different, body compositions that you'll see or different techniques that you'll see and you wonder like can they get this technique to work against the Gracie can he can he potentially land strikes or even put himself in a position to get a choke against toys like in, at this point <clears throat> people look at you like you're crazy if you even insinuated that that would happen to hoist but I'm taking it as it is I'm I, I once again I try to avoid spoilers when I'm watching so up to this point I'm like these four guys all won by submission, you know, I'm, I will want to see the, all of them potentially fight Hoist. So I just like the way the, the event sort of builds in that way. Um, and it's a little strange. I actually had to seek these um, preliminary bouts, the first round of the tournament, the first eight fights, basically, um, they were hard to find. Like I had to seek them out individually, the individual fights, and then watch them in that order. So of course I ended up seeing, having to go to SureDog, shout out to SureDog for having SureDog, Tapology, all of these amazing um, sources as far as MMA history. They have all the information you need and I, I sort of pull it up and I try to stay as close as I can to the bottom so I'm not seeing the results of the fights that I haven't seen yet. Um, and I'll just go up that way and I'll scroll, to scroll up after each fight and then I'll see the way they have it listed and that's how I get these times and everything. So shout out to the tapology and sure dog for, for being reliable sources in that way. Um, but <clears throat> just really, like I said, really cool stuff in these first four fights on to the fifth, we'll get comfortable here. All right. On to the fifth bout. We've got Orlando V coming up against Robert Lucarelli. This, <laughs> This one was fucking crazy, bro. Like this, this was one of my favorite fights of the entire night. Um, Orlando V is a Muay Thai kickboxer, which I was really excited to see when he was in the introductions, like how, how this would work. Cause a lot of striking techniques now are based in Muay Thai striking or what, what they like to call, you know, <clears throat> striking today a lot of it derives from from muay thai and not karate techniques um as far as throwing elbows throwing knees and the way you throw certain kicks as far as push kicks etc um so it was just interesting to see 
the fact that we have a Muay Thai fighter so early on um, sort of representing his um, <clears throat> fighting style. I don't know why it took me. It's, that, that was escaping me. Um, but representing Thai boxing against a traditional kickboxer. So they said that Lucarelli has some wrestling experience. Um, in my opinion, he was one of the guys of this entire tournament that when you saw them, it felt a little like woo-woo martial artsy, like, whoa, like, are, are you sure you could really like compete? Like he was a pudgy guy. Um, more so than even Frank Hamaker was. Um, and not in a good way, like not that he's big and imposing, but like in a, like you're kind of flabbing around. And don't get me wrong. I'm a, I'm a big dude. I can't talk too much shit. I'm not here. To, I'm not here talking shit. I'm just saying as far as like an athlete, when you're, when you're seeing this, it's like, I, I don't know as far as how, how well he's going to be able to do. And then you look across at Orlando V and this guy is, jacked like the, the the commentary was super hyped to talk about him like they were like wow this is the best built man i've ever seen and just hyping him up which i i found very funny because like i said they just wore their hearts on their sleeve the whole night and were just saying whatever they felt which i found pretty cool man like think about it you know they in, in a lot of ways nobody's seen some shit like this before so they're just being authentic and reacting and now as, as it's sort of a, looked at as a, obviously a sport and regulated that way um you don't have that you have the commentaries being very trying to trying to call it down the line as best as they can and sort of give each fighter their due and in a lot of ways they were just on Orlando Veet's side and just saying, I don't know how Lucarelli's going to survive this. Got my little mute button going. I'm, I'm ready. I don't want you to hear too much of me drinking. But <clears throat> this one started fast and furious and kind of crazy. So um, Lucarelli is sort of bum-rushing him as Orlando V is trying to keep his distance and land some leg kicks, some chopping kicks. Um, eventually, Lucarelli sort of bum rushes him and ends up in a position where he has not his back, but he ends up behind him and um, starts to pursue a choke. Um, Orlando V obviously has, has the choke locked in on him, but he's holding his opponent's head and grabbing his hair, literally. Um as he's trying to choke him and sort of just pulling against it, pulling against it, try to make a little fulcrum to give himself some room to breathe. And eventually he's able to sneak out the back door um, from the way that he was attacking the choke and sort of scramble up to his feet. And as he's scrambling up to his feet, um, th this is obviously his wheelhouse. Now um, Lucarelli is on his knees and sort of trying to grab at V to try to take him back down, I, I would presume. <clears throat> and man, V grabs his head and just blasts him with a knee. That was just, I was like, ooh, like, <laughs> call the cops, bro, because damn, like, I know that shit hurt. Like, I know just from the way it landed that he felt that shit and he immediately dropped. And then um, tried to get up, and then he literally threw a soccer kick, boom, and kicked him again in the head. 
and you see him, he's just all fucked up. And shout out to, to Luca Relli, because this guy just kept on trying to get up. But Orlando V was just sizing him up and had him so hurt that he was just sort of like tumbling in the wind out there. And every time he'll try to get up, he'll end up falling back down. And eventually he sort of ends up turning away, not, not trying to run away, but trying to like catch his footing, but not being able to because equilibrium is off. And Orlando Veet is just following him. Savage, savage, just following him and throwing downward elbows whenever he can, like to the back of his head. And this is stuff you don't see today. <laughs> this is stuff that is illegal today. So it's always pretty bizarre whenever something like this happens in one of these fights. I'm just like cringing, like, oh, it's illegal for a reason, you know? And it's like literally to the, what it would look like the spinal column, like throwing those elbows right there to the back of the neck. It's brutal stuff. And that, and eventually as soon as he started landing those shots, um, that's when the corner threw in the, the, the towel. And this was the first example of the night where, yeah, there was longer fights earlier in the night, but they ended by submission. This is the first example where you're like, fuck man like they should have stopped this before it got this bad like after the knee you could have stopped it and there was a prolonged beating after that so i'm just like man <laughs> I, I again you hate to say it i, I realize I, I feel like i've been saying it a lot whenever i'm talking about these fights but it's just it feels so appropriate to say like just a brutal finish and not something that you would see today at all um but I was very impressed. I was like, <laughs> I want to see him against Hoist because nah, like you don't, you don't see stuff like that. Um, especially at this time, like you just see the, as far as striking, he looks entirely advanced compared to anyone we've really seen up to this point, in my opinion. So I was really excited seeing this one. I was like, this is going to be interesting. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> On to the next one. Um, you got Hemco Pardo. I'm probably saying that incorrectly. That, that's not how he said it, but I can't even try to say say it the way he did. So watch it if you want to show some respect to the man's name. But he's facing Alberto Caraleon, gangster, representing exotics once again, which I find hilarious. He was one of the few people who also came out in a gi. So both of these guys are in a gi at the start of this match, which I find hilarious. And Alberto Caraleon was the only one, at least that I saw in the first two events, that came out in a black gi. So my boy was swagged out. I'm not going to lie. He, he was looking fly. But <laughs> it's not going to really do much for you in the fight um but just funny funny that they had that sort of difference in visual one of them has the black gi one of them has the white gi pardo was definitely the bigger man in this matchup um but exciting stuff man they they're circling around each other at the start of the fight and you see alberto sort of doing the the hand stuff like little when i see stuff like this i really think more so as like the woo woo martial arts like what are you really doing, doing stuff like that? But he surprised me, like immediately surprised me because he he's doing all this hand distracting stuff and trying to like make it look like he's trying to distract him or something. And then he landed a straight right 
that cracked Ramco that really sort of turned him around almost and not sent them running, but he, he literally faced the opposite way after he got hit by that shot in like a reaction, like, Oh, like, and, and in that moment, Alberto ended up sort of attacking him and jumping on him and trying to grab his back to sort of attack a choke, I would imagine. Um, but ended up falling off to the side. And now you got this grappler on top of you. Um, you ended up in sort of a prolonged exchange, um, this is the first fight where there was some back and forth as far as some life on the ground. You see Alberto trying to make reversals at some points, getting to better positions, but eventually Hamco was able to reestablish dominance and end up either in side control or in um, a sort of scarf hold position, um, which is common in judo, which they mentioned that he, he does judo and jujitsu. Um, but really it was a really drawn out fight and it ended with a sort of i called it an ezekiel choke it was listed as a rear naked but it couldn't have been because he was facing him so it couldn't have been a rear naked just by the way he he sort of set it up um i called it an ezekiel because the the arms were on top once again and then you see him sort of pushing into him um with it so i i thought it was an ezekiel choke um, very reminiscent once again, just of a judo move. Um, and it took a little while for him to submit to it. So, excuse me, sorry about that. <clears throat> it took him a little while to end up being submitted by it, but, um, just, a it wasn't a good fight. I'll, I'll be, I'll be honest, but there were some surprising moments and, Definitely that finishing sequence was pretty cool to see. So once again, we got another player. Um, it isn't saying much to say all these fights are finished because literally you have to finish the fight in order to win. Um, but some pretty cool submissions and one knockout up to this point. Um, and we're already six fights deep. Next up was Jason DeLuca versus Scott Baker. Jason DeLuca actually also competed in UFC 1. He was in the alternate bout, which took place right, right before the main event to give the main event fighters some time to be ready to compete after they, you know, they were fighting earlier in the night. Um, so I was hyped to see him fight again because he had a good performance in that one as well. If you guys remember, um, he was able to finish the choke with a rear naked at the end. And when he locked it up, he ended up locking it up really quick. So this one was actually very surprising. Um, what can I say? This one was a really back and forth fight. Um, a lot of scrambles, which I found super interesting to watch. Um, once again, at this point, up to this point, there hasn't really been a lot of a back and forth or resistance from these fighters um so you can see on both sides these guys are sort of working towards positions and they know what they're working towards which is refreshing to see you know it's it feels like a fight at that point it doesn't feel like a <clears throat> just a, a one set one way traffic um th this was the first fight in my opinion at all that was relatively competitive like obviously in the other ones there were some moments where you don't really know which way it's going to go but once it starts snowballing you know who's going to win at this this was the first fight that i'm midway through the the round and i'm like i don't i couldn't really tell you 
up to this point who I think is just going to win just based off of what happened so far, um, which I found really cool. There was some real slick submission attempts by both guys. Um, almost had Jason DeLuca in a choke at one point, and then DeLuca ended up getting out. Um, DeLuca almost had him in a triangle and multiple positions of this of this fight. Um, there was at least three times that I I was watching. And I was like, that looks kind of tight. Like he's getting towards that point where you're cutting off the the circulation. Because um, once again, that that's what triangle chokes are doing. Although people aren't used to seeing that as far as someone being on their back and using their legs, but it's a very legit technique. Your leg is pushing up against the carotid on one side while their own arm is on the other side, sort of pushing their the other side of the neck for you. So it, it is a choke. It's not dudes trying to scissor each other's but it, it does look a little sus i'm, I'm not gonna lie it does look a little sus so I, I can see why people look at it and are sort of i guess put off by it obviously for me someone that i know what i'm looking at i'm like th this is really cool like the, the fact that you know he's in these positions and fighting for these positions so early on when jujitsu is still this hidden art um i found it really cool and eventually Jason DeLuca ends up sort of lifting himself up from that triangle position and ended up in a mounted triangle, um, which is just all types of terrible. If you want another example of this, you can look at um, <clears throat> Damian Maya against Chael Sonnen. Just a brutal position where you're on top of them. You have your leg basically over their neck, on one side and your entire body weight on top of them so your your leg you're basically sitting on their neck um and just started landing punches from that position and obviously that's what that's what ended up um leading scott baker to, to tap but this one in my opinion this is a fight of the night contender like th this fight was fun definitely check this one out there was a lot of moments where there was some lulls because now we're stuck in this transition, whether it be attacking a triangle or attacking a, a rear naked for Scott Baker. Um, but that's just moments of excitement for me because, you know, you're as close as you can be to, to getting a finish. I'm, I'm looking at these small, intricate details and seeing, you know, does, does he actually have the choke? Like, is he almost there? And like I said, Delusia was almost there a couple of times before this point. And then the way he capped off the finish was really sweet. So once again, just I was overall very impressed by these early performances and really looking forward to the, the matchups later on and just sort of thinking like, oh, this guy is going to face this like that's going to be crazy, like because you obviously see the, the way they performed in these previous fights and you're just interested. Um, so that was a that was a fun one. Final preliminary bout. This one was actually featured on the main card, which was cool. Um, because the main card was where I was able to catch just the rest of the event all in once. Um, so I didn't have to search up the individual um, fights, which I like doing just because it's more of an event feel where you, you're, you're kind of watching it as it played out and you get to see the backstage stuff. You get to see the promos that they throw up, which are always hilarious, always sort of <laughs> real primitive. Like they're, throwing kicks and punches in in the in a like ring where they're training and um <clears throat> they're just like doing doing these things preparing um 
not to fight, but like just getting warmed up and just saying cringe things. <laughs> so it, it's always funny to watch, in my opinion. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to get comfortable here. But um, this eighth fight between Hoist Gracie and Minoki Ishihara was very fun for me. Obviously, you got the returning champ making his debut in UFC 2, um, coming up against someone who, obviously, the first Asian fighter, if I'm remembering correctly, um, between the first two events. And they're billing him up to be this extremely hard striker. Um, and I didn't, unfortunately, didn't really get to see much of that. He was actually the smallest guy in the entire competition. And that's always interesting when literally Hoyce's lore is wrapped up in the fact that he is a very small guy compared to a lot of these people that he's being pitted up against. But um, in this one, he had the, the height advantage and the size advantage, and it showed. I think Minoki was trying to land some intercepting shots. He actually did some really good leg kicks that did land, and I don't say, I don't say they had an effect. But as far as like a visual, like, oh, he took that bad. Like, no, there wasn't any hard strikes, but just cool to see guys mixing it up in a way that would be applauded today. Um, but eventually Hoist sort of goes through this Gracie stomp technique and then eventually ends up getting a takedown. Hoist is, whenever he shoots, like, it's quick, which which I find interesting because people always talk about how jujitsu guys don't have good wrestling um, but just at the time, I'm sure these guys didn't feel any of anything like this before coming into these events. So um, he got a slick takedown, went straight into to side, and then went side control, and then went straight into mount from there. Um, and this is a very prolonged fight, I will admit. Um, this one went five minutes, five minutes and eight seconds. Um, and it was kind of hard to see what Hoist was working for. <laughs> Um, Cause he was in side control. Like it looked almost like it was listed as a lapel choke, but it kind of looked like a, a rear naked choke with no, um, with no hooks. And then it eventually started to look like an arm bar. So even the, the commentators were a little confused um, in the moment, but then looking back on it, you see, he's actually using, um, the gi of Minoki against him by holding it as, as a fulcrum sort of, and you even heard my voice right there just changed just when I pulled my, my, my collar, um, but using his collar to choke him out, um, which you see in gi competitions a lot, like that's not a rare move, um, but obviously at this point, just cool to see because even, even for me watching it, I was like, wait, what was that? Like, I had to look at it a couple times to, to catch that it was a lapel choke because it looked very weird. I'm not going to lie. It looked a little strange. Um, so check that one out if you want. Um, just once again, these, these are relics in time. And what, looking back at these fights, it's, it's kind of crazy because, like I said, a lot of the reactions you expect to see isn't what you end up seeing. And a lot of the resistance just isn't there, especially in fights like that. Um, so Hoyce Gracie just ends up getting a, what amounts to be a pretty easy win um, at five minutes and eight seconds, which was, um, not mistaken, his longest fight. Yeah, his longest fight up to this point, um, which is interesting to see him last that long. 
once again, with the way it finished, it's not as if you felt like it was a competitive fight. Um, but it was definitely one-sided, but he lasted longer than anyone had up until that point. So that was of note. Let me take a sip real quick as we're rounding third base here. <clears throat> All right. The first quarterfinal bout right here, the hometown favorite, Patrick Smith, looking lethal against Scott Morris. Man, this one was crazy. This one really, the commentary really added to this one as far as how it felt. Um, so Patrick Smith comes out and Scott Morris just runs at him. Like as soon as the fight starts, he's running straight across the cage and Patrick Smith just stops and just sort of looks at him. And, and the commentators say like, you know, he, he didn't even like move, like literally he just watched his approach. And then eventually when he came in, um, Scott Morris sort of threw a sidekick and then they ended up sort of clinched up. And um, Scott Morris is pushing Patrick Smith up against the fence at this point. And as soon as they sort of hit the fence, you see the fence has some give to it. Because as soon as they hit the fence, obviously Patrick Smith has his back to the fence. There's a, you see a bounce. Like he, he hits the fence and bounces off. And then immediately ends up <laughs> in mount. Which I had to watch it back a couple of times because it didn't make sense to me. Like you don't, you don't really see stuff like that. You'll hear me say that a lot. You got to drink every time you hear me say that. Um, but you don't really see stuff like that today. You see sometimes people use it. And um, Randy Couture talks about this a lot. Just sort of the cage does have bounce. But I feel like I haven't seen it to that level where literally you see both guys are affected by the bounce of the cage. And then immediately he ends up in an advantageous position because of it. Uh, it was just kind of weird the way he fell. But he ended up landing in full mount and you see Scott Morris is trying to defend by, by putting his feet into um, Patrick Smith's armpit areas on both sides and sort of trying to kick him away. But man, it didn't do anything. And Patrick Smith just starts raining punches like really fast um, on his chin and just bouncing his head off the canvas. Like you saw just with the punches that he was out, like his mouthpiece came out um, and he, you see him obviously stop moving and now he's just getting hit. And then Patrick Smith just unleashed some elbows, man. I, I got my eyes closed just thinking about it. Cause it was rough. Like this was one of the moments that I felt like, fuck man. Like I wish they could have stopped this because this should have been stopped nine ten what felt like 15 seconds to way too late where this guy's already out and just getting bombed on um with fast pre precise strikes that you have nowhere to go because your head is pressed up against the canvas um just a bad spot to be in and um you see moments like this now where it's sort of a bang bang play like there are in, in baseball where they're throwing it to first and it's really really close as far as how um that the ball gets into the catcher's glove and the the runner is stepping on the base they call that a bang bang play there's a lot of these bang bang plays in mixed martial arts where there's someone like this bombing on somebody and you see they're landing these shots but there's a real give and take there where the ref 
has to decide, you know, are they in, in a position where they can't continue or are they trying to defend or trying to get themselves in a better position? Because you don't necessarily have to be defending effectively. Like it doesn't say that's not in the rules, but you have to be defending yourself. Like it doesn't matter if you're being hit to a certain extent, obviously, but it doesn't matter if you're being hit so long as you're showing the ref that you're in the contest still, that you're trying to change position, etc. And there was none of that. He was just getting bombed on, dude. And it was it was hard to to watch. And it ended with elbows that split Scott Morris open. And then you see him sort of, he's out, like way out at this point. And he sort of turns to his side and is just covering up um, instinctively. Like you see his arm comes up like as a fencing response. Um, shout out, shout out to, <laughs> shout out to Dan Hardy for, for giving me that, that word to be in my repertoire. But that's basically when your, your brain is shut off and you're, it's trying to prevent further damage but it's not a conscious movement as far as you're not deciding to do that but your body's doing it to preserve itself and it was just rough to see patrick smith literally got up and stopped the fight himself because at that point john mccarthy's watching it but he can't stop it according to the rules and he's waiting for the towel to come in so you're just, we're all sitting here like dude call the cops like this guy is <laughs> finito bro like he is being sent into the dirt so it, it was just bad and you see eventually scott morris is trying to get up and he is just wrecked man like he once again he's tumbling all over the place he's leaking it was just a it was a hard one to watch this this one really kicked it in for me that i'm like yeah, fuck this no referee stoppage thing. Like, they, this is just unnecessary brain damage, literally. Um, and one could argue that all brain damage is unnecessary, especially in this sport, but just insane. Insane. Um, which is the argument against it, you know. A lot of people feel that you shouldn't be doing these things to people, especially, obviously, in any other setting than this it is a hundred percent things you shouldn't be doing according to law, but where th there is a certain necessary amount as far as um, keeping yourself in the competition. And that once again, there was just none of that. Um, it was just a one way traffic and a brutal, here we go with that buzzword again, but just a scary finish, a scary finish that makes you worried about his next opponent. <laughs> and and the commentators are saying that too so once again just sort of aura of patrick smith he's in his hometown everyone's always cheering for him no matter what and he gets two finishes relatively quick one by submission and then another just putting this guy completely out and you heard jim brown jim brown's reaction to this one he was like this is intense folks and this was after he's already been bombed on obviously and finally the the fight got stopped he's like this is intense like I, i'm sure everyone there felt that shit because even even when their guy won they were screaming and and really vouching for him but even towards the end you sort of hear like a collective oh shit before they start cheering him on obviously to celebrate his win but whew, that was a fun one man that was 
I know. It sounds a little weird celebrating um, these acts of violence, but literally just a beautiful finish there by Patrick Smith. It's what we come here to see, man. So anyway, <clears throat> and it sounds so cringe, but anyway, <clears throat> the second quarterfinal bout was between Johnny Rhodes and Fred Edish. So this was actually supposed to be Frank Hamacher, um, the guy with the singlet I was talking about earlier, but he ended up getting injured. Um, they never specified on the broadcast what it was, um, but he ended up getting injured and not competing. Um, so this was an alternate and you saw it was an alternate dude. Um, Johnny Rhodes was the guy that was in the longest fight in UFC history up to this point against Dave Levicki. Um, remember I was saying he was holding the cage, all that stuff. Man, Fred Edish was just not prepared at all. Like, I honestly feel, and I was, th I gave this some thought before I got, went live because I didn't want to be rude. Like, I don't want to be disparaging of these guys because at the end of the day, you know, they, they competed and... A lot, at this time, not a, a lot of people were. So I, anyway, I always try to come to this from a place of respect. So I hope this doesn't come off as a, like me bashing on him, but I really feel like he could have fought anybody that's competed up to this point and he would have lost. Like that, that's just the way I, I felt watching him fight. He looked very timid. He was trying to land leg strikes. It, <laughs> this fight reminded me of, you know, when you're playing fight night or you're playing the UFC fight game, I don't know if you, any of you guys have, but, and you're, fa you're facing someone who's cheese and they just try to do the same moves over and over again. That was Fred Edish trying to land leg kick, leg kicks. Like <laughs> they were landing, but they weren't doing much, but he was constantly throwing them. Um, even when uh, I'll get to that later, but literally if Johnny Rhodes, was that character like you know the character when when you're in fighting games that you see their health and like when they're beat up like that certain spot turns red like my boy johnny rhodes legs was red because he was getting kicked a lot by fred edish but it was it didn't feel as if he was prepared to do anything else like it felt very much so like those kicks were last ditch effort to keep the opponent away from him um it was it was strange it was strange he started with the with the karate hands and trying to like but there was never a hard strike thrown on his part there was a lot of good counter right hands by johnny rhodes i've been really impressed by johnny rhodes all-round abilities he was able to tough out a, a really long extended fight in the first um fight of the night and this one he landed some slick counter right hands against somebody who was coming forward against them that i was like those look good. Like those are, those are good shots. Like those, those are not something that wouldn't work today. Like, not that I'm saying those were anywhere near the level of today, but you know what I mean? Like it didn't look out of place. They, they look like functional strikes, which for a lot of these people still at this point, you don't really see that. So that, that was really cool to see. Um, eventually this one was crazy, man. Johnny Rose just, landing big shots and eventually you see um fred edish sort of start covering up on the ground and then eventually <clears throat> johnny rhodes sort of stood up and is looking down at fred edish while edish is just kicking him in the knee like with sidekicks but he's on the floor just looking at him and he's bleeding from his eye 
And at one point, he's, like, pointing to his own eye. Like, I don't know if he was talking to the ref, like, saying, bro, like, stop this shit. Like, do you see this? <laughs> but literally, he's, like, pointing to his eye, like, as if we don't know that he's leaking. Um, and he's, like, not even trying to get up, just kicking his leg from the bottom position. Like, with all due respect, at that point, I don't really feel like you're trying you're trying to win like you're just trying to keep the guy off you to some extent at that point i feel like if anyone showed that sort of body language in a fight today it would immediately be stopped um it was just a another drawn out beating that was kind of tough to watch where you see this guy leaking and johnny rhodes is just bombing him and eventually he ended up finishing the fight by tossing his legs to the side and landing a big right hand um that that made Fred Edish really like turtle up and sort of shield and just try to go to his back. And this was really interesting. Johnny Rhodes actually went and took back mount. So he had both hooks in, in, in that choking position, basically for the rear naked choke. And just literally, I, I can't remember a time that I saw this, like I've seen it in half guard, but he literally you see him take his leg out from, from the, having the hooks in and just go to the complete opposite side. So now he's like on side control turtle. Um, not even, and like just relinquish the position entirely to hit him more. Like you never see, like nobody will ever do that. You could, the leverage you have from that position, even for strikes is, is a lot. Like you can do a lot of damage from back mount if you're landing your shots precisely and you're, you're picking your shots. Well, literally he just gave up that position and was like, nah, I'm gonna hold you down from side control. This shit feels weird. I mean, <laughs> this feels like I'm not going to fall. Let me stay on this and basically pound you out until the referee decides to stop it. Eventually um, his corner, well, his corner actually was real close to throwing it in a couple times, but eventually Johnny Rhodes ended up locking in a bulldog choke. Um, and I give it to Fred Edish, man, although he did not look equipped technique wise to compete, he did not falter with it as far as his heart. Like, I know he said, I said, it doesn't look like you're trying to win, but he never went out there trying to lose. Like he was fighting the bulldog choke. Like usually you see, even sometimes today you see in fights where People are hurt on the feet and then they end up in a choking position later on in the fight and they're sort of quick to give in. Like, nah, Fred Edish was trying to fight out of the, the bulldog choke, but he just wasn't able to. And you could see Johnny Rose didn't really know how to come like finish with the choke. Like the reason why it was a bulldog choke was because it was basically a rear naked choke with no hooks in, um, which is a very schoolyard technique. And it ended up being sort of on the side. So that's why I ended up calling it a bulldog choke. Um, but Johnny Rhodes wins at three minutes and seven seconds in a fight that he let go of back mount <laughs> to land ground and pound from turtle. I was like, I need to write that down because that never, like that'll never happen today. It was just strange. Um, but Johnny Rhodes with another big win. All right. <clears throat> so next up, we've got 
Remco Pardo taking on Orlando V. Once again, this is grappling versus kickboxing. I was excited for this one. And the, the commentators were too, man. They was all on that Orlando V train. They're like, I don't see how Remco survives this. <laughs> and it was mad funny because this fight went to the ground relatively quickly. Um, and it was Remco Pardo with that same arm drag that he got in the first fight that, that led him to get that takedown. <clears throat> and literally, they're in this position where... How do I explain this? Um, Remco has his arm, and he's kind of in a position where he could eventually attack uh, Kimura, but not yet. Like, it's it's a scarf hold position, once again, but he's holding the arm. Like, the arm is sort of isolated, and that's how he's able to hold the leverage so that um, Orlando V doesn't pop out the, the backside like he did against Lucarelli. So he's holding his arm to prevent him from sort of popping out the backside. And you see Orlando V trying to kick and game like buck and gain momentum in order to do just that, to, to escape from the backside of the choke or not the choke, but the position um, underneath where he was holding his arm and Remco didn't allow it. He held like um, top position very well using his opponent's arm to sort of keep him stuck in that spot. And then eventually you see him realize like you, he's literally on top. This is, this was insane to me. This, this is one of the ones that I circled. I was like, this is, if there's any fight you want to see, this is like top five, top three, in my opinion, of fights that you got to check back. I would say Patrick Smith, Scott Morris, this one, Ramco Pardo versus Orlando V and another one I'm going to get to later, but Definitely check this one out. This was wild. Um, Remco sort of looks at him. And you see him realize, like, oh, shit, I could hit you. And he's looking down on him just like I'm looking right here. And he just does landing elbows, like, straight down on his head. And it, the first two, you could tell, once again, that he was knocked out bad. Um, because every time the elbow hit, his entire body, like, jumped with it, which is just... It's so scary, not scary. That's a that's a exaggerated word, but it just makes you cringe almost because you you know the effects of of stuff like that. Where, like I said, his head has no movement. He's up against the canvas. He's just getting bounced off the canvas, and his whole body's going with it. Like it's just an ominous feeling you get from watching that that knockout. I'm not gonna lie, um, but he wins from KO by elbows from scarf hold. And literally in the post-fight interview, he says, you know, I didn't expect to win that. Like, Orlando V is a tough opponent. And you never really hear stuff like that. Like, he was very honest and very sort of humble in, in this event and saying, like, not that he was surprised to be there, but, you know, these guys are tough. And I didn't I didn't expect to win, but I, I'm, I did everything I could to try to win, and I did, um, which is badass. I respect that a lot. Um, but he ended up getting that KO in 30 seconds once again. So just another 30 second KO in these quarterfinals that just left my jaw drop. I'm like, holy shit, I want to see all these guys fight each other. Like, I don't even, at this point, all these matchups are interesting because you've seen these guys win and now they're winning again. So it's just like, you, you, you feel what we're building towards here, which is, which is always exciting in these tournament formats. <clears throat> So next up, we're rounding. We're getting towards the end here. Let me try to get comfortable again. 
we are getting towards the end here. So we've got Hoist Gracie coming up against Jason DeLuca, <clears throat> Jiu-Jitsu against Kung Fu. <laughs> this one was, once again, I was looking forward to this one because of how Jason DeLucia, um, what's the word? How he represented himself in the first fight within the grappling specifically. He did a very formidable job of using his his <clears throat> jiu-jitsu offensively to attack submissions against his opponent so i was like i wonder how that's gonna work um but they clinched up really early and eventually hoist did what hoist does man he just got the takedown excuse me got the takedown and ended up sort of in a mount position, but you see <clears throat> Jason DeLuca tries to sort of throw him off of him, and that's something that that's always taught in schools. Like you don't do that. You don't. You don't. Even if you're being like, even if you're mounted and you're looking up at your opponent, you don't push up or try to bench press your opponent off you because if you do you're extending your arm and basically giving them your arm for a submission um and that's exactly what hoist did he took advantage as soon as he felt him pushing off and immediately threw himself back in order to attack that arm and you sort of see it was sort of reminiscent i don't know if i hope you guys know know this one but um ronda rousey versus kat zingano where she has that arm already locked up before she even realizes it. And she sort of looks and she says, oh yeah, I got an arm bar and then bridges her, bridges her hips. And then you see the arm fully extend. Um, this one was a little more cultivated on Hoyce Gracie's part. You see him like flip and react once, once he gets pushed in that way and then immediately turns against the cage in order to have the leverage to submit um, Jason DeLuca and this was hard to watch too because you, you see him tap multiple times before the ref stops it um so definitely uh needed a quicker stoppage there from John McCarthy um he had to tap to this submission like four times and with the arm lock you don't want to be in that position because usually when you tap already like when you're brought to tap from a submission like that you're already at the point where your elbow is compromised enough that it, your arm could break. Like you're usually when, when you're brought to tap in those positions, you feel it already and you stop it before it gets to that point. So I'm sure that there had to be some damage there to DeLuca's elbow or maybe the arm. Um, I'm, I didn't look that up. I should have, but just a, a savage, savage submission there by Hoist Gracie. <clears throat> And at a minute and one second, interestingly enough. So now I should have, wish I had some sort of like graphic or some sort of sound effect. We got the, the semifinals, um, the semifinal matches coming up. And man, I, I was excited for this. I, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to see these guys fight. So the fact that we're at the final four of this tournament now, I'm just juiced. I, I was excited ready to watch these fights. Um, you got Patrick Smith, the hometown hero, coming up against Johnny Rhodes, who's been in some absolute barn burners tonight. Both of his fights were prolonged to an extent and 
ended ended in spectacular fashion. So um just super excited for this fight. Um both guys ended up <clears throat> sort of coming out very strong against one another. And I really liked that. I think there was a lot of technical moments in this fight. You see Patrick Smith starting out with some leg kicks from outside that were very telegraphed, that he was not setting up with punches, just sort of blindly throwing leg kicks. And you see Johnny Rhodes. Johnny Rhodes got a right hand on a man. And, and that commentary is quick to, to jump on it, too. Johnny Rhodes' right hand does not mess around. And it was it was really cool to see a very modern counter to the leg kicks as far as Patrick Smith threw a blind leg kick. I, I say blind because it wasn't set up with punches or anything beforehand. So he's just throwing a kick raw. I mean, you see that's a really exaggerated movement. Like that's a lot to pick up on um, for an opponent. So you see him throw that kick and then Johnny Rhodes takes the kick but then throws that overhand right and lands big against Patrick Smith, which is uh, someone up, up to this point has looked unstoppable, um, hasn't gotten rocked or anything up to this point. And Patrick Smith got hit with some big left, big right hands here. And in a very short fight, he got hit a couple times hard that I was like, man, th those are good. Those are good shots. Like I'm surprised. Not that he didn't react, but that nothing came of it. And eventually, um, they ended up in a position where they were up against the cage. And again, um, you see Patrick Smith sort of start attacking that neck once Johnny Rhodes drops his head. And he's attacking the guillotine. And I guess it was an arm in. I couldn't exactly tell from the angle that I saw. But um, Johnny Rhodes actually wasn't able to tap because his arm was stuck. So he ended up tapping with his leg. Like you see him stomping on the floor, which is a very interesting visual, um, especially in a fight like this. But man, that this was a fun one. Like, I feel like this is also a potential fight of the night because there actually was moments in this fight. Um, once again, there wasn't a lot of fights like this tonight at all. Um, so I, I like this one a lot. Although it was a very quick fight, it ended at a minute and seven due to guillotine. Um, it was really cool to see it, and it was cool afterwards. They sort of showed, showed their respect. But Patrick Smith is larger than life, man. And the and all the interviews, he's just cocky as hell. Like they're like, oh, another fight that went wasn't too long. It's only been a minute. Like how do you feel? He's like, oh well, I need some better opponents. <laughs> And I'm like, damn, bro, like you was just showing him respect. And now you're just bumping yourself up. I love it, though. I love it, though. Once again, it adds the story. Um, but that was a really fun semifinal bout. And it brings us to the second semifinal bout. Hoist Gracie versus Hemco Pardo coming off a brutal knockout. I'm thinking, like, man, if Hemco could find himself in a good position here, like, who knows? Like, he could land some big shots and potentially hurt Hoist. Like, I was really looking forward to this one, especially because the size. Like, Hemco is much bigger um, than Hoist, but this one gave me none of that. It gave me none of that. This one ended pretty quick, man. Hoist Gracie went immediately to attack sort of a, a body lock from the back. Um, <clears throat> and it looked like he was definitely um, 
getting some leverage for a takedown, but they were spinning around. And eventually um, you see him coach sort of concede they I'm going to go down. So let me just try like to get a throw in um, to try to get momentum and end up on top. And he ended up not getting, not doing that. Hem, um, Hemco Hoist ended up, ended up, ended up, ended up, ended up in a, um, <clears throat> in a back mount position and immediately starts attacking um, what I thought would be a rear naked, but he turned it into a lapel choke and finished it at a minute and 31. This one was not competitive, man. It was not competitive. I thought it would be, and it was not at all. Once he got the takedown, he just worked through worked through the positions, worked to the back, and then um, used his own used his opponent's own gi to choke him out again. Second time tonight, he landed that same submission, third submission of the night for Hoist up to this point. Just crazy. Um, people celebrate now. For example, Lupi Godinez. This past couple of weeks, she's fought on two back to back UFC cards, seven days apart from each other, and that celebrated. You know the the quickest turnaround between bouts, man. This guy fought four times in one night in a tournament, like crazy. Narrowed down sixteen people to two to one. Um, but that brings us to the final, man. Oof. Hoist Gracie up against Patrick Smith, the hometown hero. This one was electric, man. Both guys got cheered on really big. And I was excited as hell. I was I was happy to watch this one. Ooh, excuse me. <clears throat> but Hoist Gracie does what Hoist Gracie does, man. He, after a little bit of moments on the feed where you see Patrick Smith trying to sort of fake him out, trying to do certain things to get, a, get him reacting, eventually ends up in a really bad spot being taken down. Um, Hoist starts working towards the mount. And then you see, <clears throat> man, not close at all again. Like, I, the entire fight, the fact that Patrick Smith won all his fights leading up to this point, three fights in impressive fashion, like, you're feeling it like, man, this could be something. Like, you, this, nah, there's just, there's levels. There's levels to this. And Hoist Gracie is just on another level, man. He just attacked from that position and attacked until he ended up in mount. Started landing punches, not even necessarily trying to go for a choke yet, just softening him up, hoping that he gave him the choke. And instead of giving him the choke, Hoist Gracie starts sort of wrapping up the, the, the only arm that's there to defend from Patrick Smith. He's wrapping up the arm and then using the other hand to hit. Whew, sorry, guys. <clears throat> and that was all that was all she wrote, man. Um, the, the corner, the corner through the towel after Patrick Smith tapped two strikes um, with a minute or so in into the round literally um let me check i'm sorry i could give you the actual number it is a minute and 17 seconds into the round just domination domination by by hoist especially in times where we i pointed to certain moments where i thought could have been competitive no um hoist just dominated man for two events in a row and the fact that you won two tournaments now 
tournaments that if you add it all up, it's 24 guys, 24 different men that are trying to compete to become the champ. And now you've done it twice, multiple times in one night, you've been through tournaments and came out to champ. Like that's, that's impressive. Like, I don't care who you was fighting. I don't care the level these guys was getting finishes earlier in the night and hurting people. Like Patrick Smith was hurting people. Like he came back with the vengeance in UFC two. And that was really cool to see the storyline, you know, the, the, the growth of Patrick Smith, the character. Um, but th this is a really fun one, man. Thank you guys for tuning in. It was the longest one so far. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping not many of this long, man, 15 fights. That That's a lot of fights. Like there's not, there's not cards like that often today like they the 12 fights is a lot of fights um for ufc cards now so 15 was just it was just a lot you can see it was a lot to talk about but i just had a blast with you guys i hope you guys are having as f much fun with me as i am with you guys i'm just loving watching these fights experiencing the history of the sport and then sort of just looking back at it and seeing what i could what i could notice what i could point out and just seeing these things that help me enjoy the fight, I want to share it to you guys and hopefully help you guys enjoy it too. So thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you guys enjoyed. Um, please check out these fights. Uh, show these guys the do that they deserve. And follow us on all handles, man. My my Twitter is Negron MMA. My Instagram is Chris Negron underscore. And follow the brand OTS Media Co on all platforms that's how you get in this podcast uh you get in this feed you can either get it on the mma archive feed or just straight through ots media which i recommend they got a lot of good stuff sports wise coming out of there and i'm honored to be a part of it man so really check out this, this the stuff that we got going on at ots thank you so much for tuning in and look forward to the next episode of the mma archive peace